Welcome back to Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Hour. I'm Barbara McGinnis, where we always talk about the issues that relate to aging, chronic conditions, and unexpected illness. In today's episode, we're talking about the opioid crisis and how it affects our seniors. And I'm Tim Takis. When you think about addiction, oftentimes you don't picture a senior citizen. However, addiction knows no age. Joining us is Tricia Benitez, a treatment specialist with addiction campuses to speak specifically about the rise of addiction in older adults. Welcome, Tricia. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. Tell us a little bit about the statistics on substance abuse disorders among people older than 50. As we all know, I mean, addiction is, is not a um, illness that is going to subject itself to one demographic or the other. And roughly, we're seeing that about 2.5 million elders are suffering with addiction these days. It's quite alarming. How many, how many did you say? <laughs> 2.5 million? Yes, unfortunately, 2.5 million. Not thousand, not hundred million. Hundred. Okay. Well, we, do, we're, we are talking about opioids and illicit drugs, mm -hmm. but what about alcohol? Um, alcohol plays a part, right? Alcohol plays a huge part. So as people get older, their life does change. They may retire, which can also affect their, their uh, use. It can have a more onset of use. For instance, I'm going to celebrate my retirement by having a few drinks, right? Well, that may be okay for a moment. However, it can easily turn into a snowball effect and be devastating later on if not treated or addressed by hopefully the family. It, become, it can become a lifestyle, you know. It's, it, it, we're not waiting for the evening cocktail. It's five o'clock somewhere it, all I, the time. Sadly, right? that's so true because this is a primary reward of the midbrain. So you're, they're spiking their dopamine, they're feeling good, they're balancing everything out, and that's how they've, they've created their new version of normalcy. So you're completely right. Yeah. So when people age, how does their um, definition of alcohol use and drug use change? So uh, the, and why is that important? Sure, thanks. That's a great question. So the actual definition doesn't necessarily change. It's their perception of how it changes or mm. perception of what they find to be okay. And their family kind of allows it because, oh, well, Grandma Jane's 85 years old. She can do whatever she wants, right? Mm. And that's not necessarily okay because this could actually ensue a very catastrophic remainder of her, her life. Mm. So it's... Things that take place would be, for instance, the retirement, um, things such as a loss of a loved one, loss of income from that said job. Things of this can be very devastating for our elder population that some of us may not even be aware of quite yet. Mm. Well, I think what we see some of is that not only is it just a, a lifestyle change, but it's a little bit of self-medicating, it's a little bit more acceptable and available. Um, the alcohol, you know, is a little bit more acceptable and a little bit more available than some of the other drugs. But let's talk about some of the other drugs. What about older people and cocaine, marijuana, other illicit drugs? Any statistics on that? So we don't have any exactly right in front of us to give a direct number. However, the use of people of our, our older generation using things like cocaine and um, uh, Molly or MDMA, things like that, that's very that's a more rare occasion. Mostly okay. it's the benzodiazepines, it's alcohol, it is opioids because of 
the chronic pain, chronic pain the the availability of them getting prescribed. So all of those things come into play. So really not so much, honestly, with what we're seeing on, on a personal level as far as cocaine or illicit mm -hmm. drugs like that. So who, of an older person, what's a typical sure. profile, you know, of someone that you're seeing in your, in your practice? So we get phone calls all the time mm -hmm. about people from anywhere from juveniles to our elder and we take each one of those case by case, right? right? So not every two people call in with the same problem or the same concerns or the same desires of an outcome, but we have to take those and address them appropriately and help them in best way we can. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, the older phone calls that I get personally are typically a, a derivative of alco alcohol um, and opiates most of the time. So. And a little bit of benzos, but not mm -hmm. Yeah. Not as much as you would think. Mm -hmm. So we're prescription, a lot of prescription drug abuse. It's a lot of prescription drug abuse. And I think a big issue with that is, is that the family may not be educated enough at times to understand how these medications should be dispensed to their loved one, that they need to be out of their reach. And if unfortunate, if they get to a place where they have to have a caretaker in the home, how educated is the caretaker on counting pills, on educating the family of when have they taken their last medication, et cetera, et cetera? So medication mismanagement mm -hmm. in some ways is what that is, you know, which we see a lot in our practice. You know, mm -hmm. and it's, we don't often think of it as uh, like, coke, uh, like uh, opioid or whatever, but darn near anything right. you know, that, they, that they may be prescribed. Now what about medi medical marijuana? Are we seeing any of that in Tennessee? So personally thus far in my field, I have not run into too many uh, cases mm -hmm. of that. Right. However, the question gets brought up and, and you know, that's a personal decision between a patient and their client. At addiction campuses, our goal is to help somebody who is suffering with addiction from something that is altering their everyday life. So that's our main goal with that. Right. Right. I mean, that really becomes the point of when are we taking these medicines yes. and when is it impacting our ability to function? Mm -hmm. And it is, and for a senior, we're, we're not necessarily talking about job function, but we may still be talking about driving. We still may be talking about ADLs and safe exactly. living. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. We're talking about can your grandmother get herself from her bedside? to her restroom right is she can she do this alone does she bump into walls because heaven forbid she takes one of these medications and mm -hmm. that is that could easily be a substance misuse correct right if she becomes impaired she and becomes then she impaired be, she falls something bad happens she to falls her. she could suffer a stroke I, I, the laundry list goes on and on so we have got to really be aware of these things in our elders so is it because of age, is it ever acceptable to start, you know, making these, blurring the line about when is it an addiction, <laughs> when is it a problem? Um, so, you know, that's, that, I get a lot of that is asked to me in a funny way and a funny question because people say, well, she, my grandmother or grandfather have been, they've gotten this old in age, let them do whatever they want. Mm. However, by allowing that type of behavior you're, you're not just hurting your grandmother, it's, it will and can cause conflict between the remainder of the family. Mm -hmm. For instance, if I didn't want you to let grandmother eat that or use that or take that, and you do because she's earned her willing right, mm -hmm. 
that can cause conflict. So again, that goes back to addiction is a family disease. It's a family problem. It's not a singular issue by any means. Okay, so Tricia, let's let's switch gears just slightly. Okay. We just got about a minute or so. Sure. Is is that okay? So you you provide treatment to everybody that, but particularly older people that need help. How is your treat? How is treatment funded? You know, how does how does the, how does your uh, if an older person calls you and needs help? Who pays for that? Well, when someone calls us, like I said, every call is case by case. Right. And we take that very seriously and we, we work with the family, we work with them to find out what are their needs, what treatment modalities do they need. We figure out if one of our facilities is going to be the most appropriate for that person. Mm -hmm. Then we go from there and just figure out what type of insurance they do have or right. don't have. Right. Does Medicare cover this? Medicare. Do you, do you, do you know? Medicare does cover some, okay, parts of, par some parts of addiction treatment. Yes, gotcha. it does. So we have to work with the family with insurance. It's a lot of working parts. It's not just a box that you can check and say, perfect, you're in. It's a lot of understanding where they are, what's going on, what they need, and how well, to Well, we do them. have your contact information. So if people wanted to know more about how to talk to you or one of your other counselors, Addiction Campuses Helpline, 1-888-614-2251. I might need new glasses. <laughs> and thank you. Thanks Thank for you, coming. Tricia. Thank you for coming. Thank you both for having us. We're going to talk about pre prescription safety when we come back. Stay tuned.